Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Bonjour, Anita. Donde está tu pasaporte? Pourquoi? Que vaya a la piscina. Donde está la biblioteca? Je mange une orange. J'ai pété et ça pue. <laughs> well, everybody, guess what we've been working on? Duolingo, but we're duolingoing in different languages, and so it's it's been real rough. Well, I first started doing Spanish because you were doing Spanish, but I remembered that like four years ago I started doing French, and I just can't get my French thing out of my mind like i want to say in spanish too but i keep saying too like, um, like the french like the, the french Frenchies. i think it's a good thing though mel because when we go on our widow world tour i will be able to communicate with the spanish-speaking world and well actually neither of us will be able to communicate with anybody but in theory i'll be able to communicate with the spanish-speaking world and you can communicate with the french-speaking world yes i'll be able to ask somebody for an orange and then i can tell them that i'm eating an orange or i can tell them that they're eating an orange i know how to say uh grapefruit in in french pomplemousse that's such a great word i know it is fun. no we've talked about like having stuff to do since we're a widow like new things this is a good new thing for us i think mm -hmm. And not related to being a widow really at all. It's kind of nice. Yeah. And I can do it right when I wake up. So it gets my brain thinking. Mm. 
Very good. Or at night. I don't know. When do you do your language thing? Eh, just whenever I can. Mel, how is your brain? Bad. Yeah. Mel's had a migraine that's put her under the the table. Is that a thing? Is that a, is that a phrase? <laughs> I wanted to put me under the knife. Oh. But... Well, it's seasonal changes. And although I do have great meds and I do get the Botox injections, I'm approved for those it doesn't get rid of it 100%. And so, Krista, wait. I know you feel me. When seasonal changes happen, it is just like a disaster. So I actually went in last week for my appointment for my shots. And the doctor was like, hey, if you've been noticing the past two weeks and past two months that it's been exceptionally bad, you're not alone. And don't feel crazy. I was like, thank you. Weird. Yeah. Like the pressure just is like insane sometimes. So hmm. he, yeah, people can go in there and get infusions and stuff. He's like, yeah, I have somebody in this other room for an infusion and I can do two different kinds of infusions. One for if you have to go back to work or drive and one for if you want to go home and sleep. Oh, it's like, yeah, all sorts of things in like uh, magnesium. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Migraines are just tricky. So, yeah, I apologize for all of our friends at the Zoom hangs yesterday because I couldn't go to any of them because I had an eye patch over my face in the tub in the dark. But maybe it was better I wasn't there. Maybe everyone was glad I wasn't there. Maybe it made it better. I was a sneaky spy because it said I was Mel Shore, but I was not. Am not. Yeah. Yeah, because you speak Spanish. See si. Badly. And I <laughs> no speak French badly. <laughs> Well, how were the Zoom hangs? Great. Wonderful. I missed part of one of them because I was running in the mountains, kind of being lost, and it started snowing, and I wasn't dressed for the snow. So that was fun, and I was on the side of a cliff, but it was all good. Okay, you got kind of got stranded and lost, but then you made it back alive. Yes, which is how it happens all the time. I'm like, I don't know, let's see if I go this direction, where it will take me. And then I'm like, that was a bad idea, but... Yeah. Well, guess what I've been doing this week when I didn't have migraines. What? You know. Oh, roller skating. You guys, all thanks to Amy Hartman Martell, who started this trend in the Widow Waves Club. I don't know. She just said she was going to try skating. So I thought that was such a brilliant idea for a hobby and something new to take up. So I copied Amy. And now I've been going to a skate park and I'm on day number four. So I'm documenting my skate progress through my Instagram. And I just got new light-up wheels, which is going to be fun. What? I know. That's fun. I know. I've been doing this stuff at a skate park, so not just like flat, but learning Uh how to do ramps. I mean, guys, I'm not really good. I just am like trying to learn the basics and like, let's go a little forward. Let's go a little back. Okay, go down this ramp and make sure you put your feet for like one foot in front of the other so that you're you're stable and you don't fall like I'm like very beginner right but it's been fun and and I was telling somebody the last time I was at the skate park um who actually I found out has similar death to ours Anita that how funny it is when I like am trying a new skill with skating I think oh no I'm kind of scared like what if I get hurt and then I think who cares if I get hurt? I've lived through worse. I've buried my husband. I've dressed his body. I've done this and I've done that and I've had to deal with this and da 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 da. And then I think, okay, I can do the thing. It's going to be fine. And then I go and then I'm fine. And I'm like, it's so kind of funny and morbid that when I get scared of something new, that's my thought process, but it gets me to do stuff. Somebody said that exact same ish thing today 
about how when you've survived somebody completely unrelated who um, actually lost a child, not a widow, but after you've gone through something so horrific, everything else is kind of like, meh, I can do that. Like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of you. Yeah. I'm not scared of you roller skates. I was an excellent roller skater when I was about eight or nine, like super duper good. But then rollerblades came to be. Remember the transition to the rollerblades? Yeah, I I was <gasps> I was really good at the skates when I was six, and then yeah. when roller blades happened, I mean I was good enough, but I never got like good good. And then I became a teenager and did basketball, so like I never really got good. Did you, Mel? I have some very important information to share with you right now, and I need you to sit down. Okay, okay, okay. you're already sitting down. My dad, when he was a little boy, took roller skating lessons stop it i know <laughs> will he come with us skating i cannot imagine him skating if you knew my dad it's just not something you would ever picture him doing but my grandma was the funniest lady and she just wanted to give him some self-esteem so she put him in roller skating lessons i imagine he was wearing like a polyester one piece like jumpsuit made of terry cloth yeah <laughs> I cannot imagine your dad having the balance to roller skate at this point in his life. But yeah, maybe I not. believe in him because he's a genius and can do anything. My dad is actually surprisingly athletic. Really? Think, yeah. Okay, Randy Randall. Let's go. Yes, my dad's name is Randy Randall, everybody. I'll give you a second to just think that over. It's, it's not Sandy Sandal. It's Randy Randall. <laughs> and his given name first name is not randall so it's no. not randall randall it is actually randy randall yeah and that's that's fun stuff mel can i tell you about my week you have had an adventure yes so last week we, we recorded and i was on location in um rad rachel barbosa's cabin we had an amazing week it was so fun i uh, also explored and got lost in the mountains around lake arrowhead and had so much fun um, I had some friends with me, so that took off some of the stress of being there alone with my kids and trying to manage all of that. Um, the way home was quite the adventure, though. My kids were just, they were just tired and grumpy, and I was like, they're just going to fall asleep. No, no, they did not fall asleep. They <laughs> stayed awake the whole time. Oh, I know. And uh, we got about, it was, a, it, was, it was supposed to be a nine and a half hour drive that's how long it was supposed to take us to get there and we had to stop about 15 times my son started throwing up <laughs> and then he would like hand me the bag of throw up and I would get to hold that till we could get to a, a place to throw it away oh and then then it was stinky so we stopped we stopped at every single gas station everywhere in the whole world and I bought some Vicks Vapor Rub to like try and make it not smell so bad. <laughs> How did everybody not just start puking? Like you know in the movies, mm -hmm, like it's a trick, mm -hmm. a domino effect. Yeah. So the good news is, is that I am not a sympathetic barfer. I don't feel ill when other people feel ill, and I think two of the people didn't even realize it was going on. And then my daughter was the only one who was like, "It smells so bad." So I got the Vicks Vapor Rub, and she like rubbed it on her face, and then she was like, <gasps> "It burns." <laughs> And I'm like, don't, what did, what did you do? So she rubbed it to try and make it not smell bad. Anyway, and they were just like fighting with each other and screaming at each other. There was Captain Crunch involved. I was just laughing because I was like, this is so ridiculous. And then right before we got home, 
we were all like at 600 north in um salt lake you'll know where that is nobody else will know that it is traffic just stopped no yes we were like 20 minutes away from home and we got on google maps and it said that there was like debris in the road i'm like you've got to be kidding me and we only had like 20 miles left in the gas tank because i was like you know let's just get home or whatever i'm like we're gonna run out of gas oh my gosh we didn't though but i was like we were so close it ended up taking us almost 13 hours to get home anita Mm mm-hmm it was crazy. I just don't, I don't even have words because <laughs> as this was happening, you were texting me. Yes. So I was getting updates and I'm like, how is Anita surviving? I just want to say though, I feel like, you know how last time you said that you might have like turned a little bit of a corner? Yeah. Maybe you've turned a bit of a corner because you seem like you're not hateful today. No, I know. And actually when it was happening, like... I was like, oh, this is this is so stupid. But I was also laughing about it because it was so ridiculous. So, yeah, that's a different, maybe a different response. Um, but Mel, you'll be so proud of me. What? I, I drove for like seven hours straight. I well, can't that's not believe true. it. Seven hours with about 33 stops. But still, that's amazing for you me. You guys, to put this into context, when Anita and I have to drive to Salt Lake, which is like 17 minutes away, <laughs> I have to drive us because she falls asleep. So this yeah. is a feat. Look at all of these skills you're discovering from widowdom. I, I drank a lot of Coke. It was great. Well, that's and, why you uh, had to stop. No, it was not me. I, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was my adventure. Thank you so much to Rachel. That was, it was so nice of her to let us go to her cabin. And we just had a great time. So I'm so glad you got to go and I'm jealous. And hi, Rachel. Also, I forgot to mention, thanks to Autumn for doing the Zoom hangs. Oh, yeah. That should have been happening way back at the beginning, and I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. We love you. Anita, welcome back. I'm glad you're back. Thank so you, I have Mel. a friend. I have prizes for you. Yes. I'm going to bring them over today. <gasps> yeah. Thank you. Yes. Okay, so what's happening else in the in the world of widowhood? Well, people are still becoming widows. I we know. still have Widow Wives Club available. People are joining. <laughs> We're hearing yeah. that our group is a safe space, so... That makes me happy because we want everybody to feel like they belong. So thank you to our members for being such great human beings yeah, and empathetic and understanding. And yeah. Yeah. So if you want to join the Widow Wives Club, it's just on Facebook. Search the Widow We Do Now Widow Wives Club. There is another Widow Wives Club that I think some people are going to. Ours, um, Ours has the longest name. Yeah. And it has a big pink logo. It's not yellow. So um, that's a little bit tricky, but hopefully you are able to find us. We have membership questions that you really do have to answer or we're not going to let you in. And the reason for that is we want to make sure everybody belongs and is a safe space because a lot of widow groups are full of people who are trying to take advantage of widows. And that makes us feel sick to our stomachs to think that we are putting you in harm's way. So that's why we make you answer those questions. And please... Do it and don't get angry. Thank yes. you. Have a nice day. So here's something funny that I didn't even realize is that some people think that it's the widowed wives club. Oh. Like that we're wives that have been widowed. And so they think it's just for women. And it's not. That's not what it is. It's because Mel and I call each other widow wives because we became friends after we became widows and we support each other. So And then we tried to get Karen Cornejo a widow wife. And so that's why it's called the widow wives club. Yeah. That's so, how it started. Anyway. Yeah. So... So, guys, men, anybody. Anybody. Human. A, I think we should say humans. You know? Yeah, all humans. 
yeah, who've lost their partner. If you are interested in keeping the podcast going, will you consider becoming one of our patrons? At patreon.com slash WWDN is just a platform to be able to support content creators like podcasts. If you listened last week, you'll know that everybody that's Widow Bestie and up gets ad-free content. Yay! And I still have to send the email out because there are a couple things on the back end I have to figure out. So it's coming. You'll get an email. You have to check your email that's associated with your Patreon account because Mm. if you don't, you're not going to get the notification. So you can listen to the ad-free content in the Patreon app or website, and we will soon have available a way for you to put it in your favorite podcast player so that you can have it with all of your other shows as well. That's the thing I'm working on. So Excellent, Mel. Thank you for doing that. Thanks. It took a lot of time, and I'm not even done yet. So, But <laughs> one of the things you get at the Widow Bestie level and up is a shout out in episode. So we're going to do that right now. And we're going to start with Judy because poor Judy. She got left out. Yeah. Something about the program like didn't put her in the correct category, although she is in the correct category. So Judy, we love you. You can get four shout outs today. Ready to go. Judy Judy. Malkin. Judy. 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 Malkin. Judge Judy. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Judy. Apologies. Now. We're going to go on to our secret dead husband. Our secret dead husband says, Like a widow, touched for the very first time by death. <laughs> like a widow. Sorry. Next, we have Constance Dahlbeck, David Kelly, Don Satterwhite, Gail Bell, Ivan the Meisner, Cat the Cat, Krista Waite. Maya Glasser, welcome. welcome. Sam Finlayson, happy birthday. We have birthdays in the same week, Sam. Oh, it's meant to be. My roller skating muse, Amy Hartman Martell. Amy Neal. Amy Sapp. Ashley Hahn. Okay, this is also a name we're going to be jealous of who gets it or not. And I hope Damn I say it right. And I'm sorry, Barbara, if this is wrong, you got to tell us. Barbara Schneeberger best name you have an awesome name that's a fun name Brittany pedro chris stefan christina shiflett danielle catterberg not a debbie downer dennis brazo i'm so glad you said it jean marie massey jenny taylor jennifer beale jennifer brown jennifer e hassel jenny wang kathy murray kelly ford kirsten stromberg clausen lauren old leslie webb marie hoffman 80s queen mk anderson missy schubert patricia weist did she like tell us that's how she said no i think we keep saying we don't know and the best cabin owner of america rachel barbosa <laughs> woo woo thank you rachel sarah morris sue golek sylvia sad <laughs> Say, sad widow shore no, i was gonna say sylvia sad sack shore <laughs> <laughs> except for i think she forges ahead more than you and i do <laughs> that's she's a boomer so she's going for it hey stop screaming loud taylor snyder winehouse karen cornejo <laughs> vicky spit anna tracy christina scambato christine anderson cindy raynaud don barber Debbie Fells, Deborah Westwood, Diana Becker, Emily Toledo, Eric Vandermeulen, Aaron Posick, Gabe Lozano, 
Gia Benoit, Tina Haas, my taco neighbor, Ian Sini, Ileana Bell, Jackie Coyle, The Jane, Jenny Armstrong, Jenny Barrow, She Helped Me Drive, Jocelyn Milo, Jenny Barrow did? Uh huh. Thank you, Jenny. Jocelyn Milo, Julie Stevenson, Karina Jacobo. I like that name too, that's a fun one. Katie Radcliffe, Chris Morgan. Laura Bradbury. Laura Keeley. Yes, Lindsay Kanapka. Ah, come on. Lucky. Fine, I got barbs. Lori Farrington. <laughs> Marjorie Lewis. Mary McGowan. Megan Montague and Capulets. I mean, also, you guys also really do have really great names. All of you. I, I know. Melissa Bowers. Melissa Hancock. Peter Rukavina. Becky Saiba. Sarah Kennedy. Stacey Saywert. Sunshine Haven. Tammy Taravest. Tara Wallace. Valerie Becker. She's pale and proud. You just need to know that. And Botox Forehead Wendy. <laughs> and all around the pain points. <laughs> I don't think Wendy has Botox, but maybe she wants some. Want some? Get approved for migraines. It's the worst. Yes. Thank you to everybody who supports us on the Patreon. We appreciate you guys so much. We can't even explain it. If you're from Australia, please consider going to Camp Widow in August because we are coming and we have to get all sorts of things done in preparation for that, like papers, the papers to cross the borders and all things. (laughs) The papers. Yeah. So we are coming for you. We hope to see you there. We're coming to Australia today. We're coming to Australia in August. August. (laughs) Not today. Yes. If you don't want to join our Patreon, what else can they do, Mel? They could buy us a taco at buymeacoffee.com slash now. And if none of those things work and you'd still like to support us, please give us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. They really help direct people to us when they need us. Yes, and that is free. So we understand that all widows are in different financial situations. And it's totally cool. That will yes. help us out to spread the word. So if you find that this podcast has been helpful for you in finding community or at least find that you're not alone, please consider doing that. All right, Mel. I think we can get to the episode, can we? I think so. All right. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We are two young widows and we're only trying to help you figure out. And us. Widow. We. Do. Now. This episode is brought to you by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. We have an exciting special guest today, Mel. Do you want to know who it is? I super want to know who it is because I don't know anything about this person other than that we have a mutual friend. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Fine. Can I tell you who it is? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. Her name is Camille Corpuz. Nice to meet you and welcome to the podcast, Camille. Thank you very much. It's nice to talk to you guys today. Where do you live? I currently live in the Bay Area, California, so Mountain View, close to San Francisco. But when I say barrier area, everyone thinks I live by the bridge, and that is not the case because it's expensive as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to like live within one mile of the bridge if you say Bay Area, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like you get up and you drink your morning coffee, like looking at the glorious scenery 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I used before I lived here, I lived in uh, San Diego, where I'm from, and I I'm a teacher, so I was saying goodbye to a group of pre-K kids and said I'm moving to the Bay Area, and a lot of the kids thought I was going to live on the bridge. Oh, on oh. the bridge. You're like, no, I'm going to live under the bridge. I'm going to be a troll. I'm a troll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Camille, we know why you're here. Mm-hmm. You're like us. Yes, very true. So sorry. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into your story. Where did you grow up? What are some things you like to do? Do you like animals? Okay, so I grew up in San Diego, California, born and raised there. Like I said, I was a teacher at SDSU, San Diego State University. I do like animals. I'm allergic to cats. We had dogs growing up my whole life. Um, And then at SDSU, I met my husband. We dated. We met at a company holiday party, and uh, he asked for my number in front of all of our bosses. And um, then we just kept hanging out, and I didn't know if I liked him, but it worked out. And (laughs) he also loves dogs, so we continued to have dogs as well. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff... There is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Okay, good. I know that's the most important part of the story. (laughs) So did you guys work for the same company? We both worked on university campus, different parts. So we, that's why we met at the holiday party. Okay. So it's like a huge, it's not like a company with five people. It's a company with like 50 million people. Yeah. Or, or so. Okay. Yeah. Big, big enough for a party. <laughs> and it wasn't like against the rules to date somebody because it was big enough, a big enough pool. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you, you know, weren't creepy about it. <laughs> tell us, tell us this person's name. Oh, my husband's name is Jason Blanca. Oh, Oh, I have a Jason too. Jasons are stupid for dying, guys. Yes, I will agree to that. Okay, so you met Jason. You started hanging out with him. You weren't sure if you liked him or not, but you kept hanging out with him. And then what happened? And then we ended up dating for, I believe, six years. And he proposed in San Diego around the time of my birthday in November. I was very surprised because I didn't know he had it in him that he planned this whole elaborate dinner. It was like six course meal dinner with our friends and he hid it. He tried to act like our friend had an announcement, but it was actually him proposing at the end. And each of the courses had a memory tied to it for all the six years we were together. 
Wow. Did you know it was coming? I knew it was going to come, it was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to be this like great plan. And then he told me, and then he told me in, you know, his, which made sense that he got, it came together the week before. I was like, that's you, you procrastinate, but it worked, it worked. It still sounds like it was elaborate. So yeah, props to Jason. So what year did you guys get married? We got married in 2016, but actually right before we got married, he got a job at a company in the Bay Area. So he actually moved up first. We we were separate, not separated, but we were not living together for a few months. And then the wedding happened. And then I moved up here to the Bay. So was he repairing the bridge for his new job? Was he sweeping (laughs) the bridge for his new job? What was his job in the bay (laughs) i'm like he needed to repaint it before i got there (laughs) perfect perfect so you met up with him again you moved to the bay and you started your life in your new area it was very different than san diego but it was a good difference okay so you guys were married in 2016 and what happened after the wedding after you'd moved up there uh well we you know, started this life together. We wanted to have kids and we were working on that. Um, but he also on the, at the same time was getting back into riding motorcycles. So um, he started purchasing a few motorcycles, fixing it up. And then there's a lot of uh, racetracks up here. So he got into that lifestyle of going to the track and um, doing like track days on the weekends and getting his racing license. So that's actually how he died. He he died during a motorcycle race on July 8th. Ironically, at 7-8, and his race number was 780. And he died on turn number eight of that racetrack. He died 2018. We were married two years. We were together at, in total 10. Wow. Yeah. Were you at the race? I was not at the race. I was about to be, but we where we I think we had just come back from a trip from Tahoe with our dog it was our dog's birthday and we stayed at my cousin's house near the racetrack and it was hot that day so we thought I wouldn't go so the dog wouldn't have to suffer in the heat and he said I'll be back after this last race and he didn't come back I have a question about this pastime of his how did you feel about it it seems like it's kind of a dangerous activity yeah. And were you ever like, let's choose like golf or maybe oil painting instead of motorcycle racing? Yeah, um, I think a lot of people thought that and said it to me. But, you know, when you love somebody and they're really passionate about something, you you don't stop it. Um, and that's what he was with motorcycles, was very passionate. So... You know, if I really liked something, I wouldn't want him to stop it. But he knew, you know, it is dangerous and all the things. And he did what he could to uh, stay safe. It didn't happen. How did you find out? Oh, I can replay this in my head all the time. It's like it happened yesterday. So I was at my cousin's place and I was packing our things because we were going to head home right after his race. 
And I got a phone call from a mysterious number I didn't know and then a voicemail. So I listened to the voicemail and it says, um, husband's been in in an accident. We're going to airlift him to a hospital. Please call us back. So I immediately, you know, panic and calmly panic. And I call my, uh, I call them and nobody's answering. So I call, I know a few people in that, in that um, motorcycle racing community. And so I tried to get a hold of them. I called my best friend who is an emergency nurse and asked her, okay, what do I need to do to get ready to, you know, meet him at the hospital or what kind of things should I do on my end? And um, so I was making all these phone calls. And then right after I get a phone call, oh, sorry, before that, I do call his parents and his family and let him know like this is happening. Um, and then I get the phone call and the manager of the race foundation, or I forget what they're called. Um, she said that he didn't make it. And so I just, and then I remember she said he, yeah, I'm sorry, he died. And the first thing for some reason in my mind was I hung up and I called my best friend, who's the nurse. And I just said, I'm a widow. Like what? And I don't know why that just came to me, why the words came to me, but it just sunk. It was, you know, part of the processing, I think. Oh, man. I feel feelings for you right now. Just that shock and that overwhelming, like, what? Yeah. And what? Yeah. Like, I, oh. I can, like, still visually see that I'm sitting in this chair. My cousin's across from me, and he hears it on the phone, too. And both their eyes are just like, what? We just said bye to him. And, yeah, it, it still feels unreal. It doesn't ever make any sense. And, and it takes so long to process it. I don't even know if I – I know I've processed it technically, because it's been what over four years but at the same time doesn't it feel like it was fake mm-hmm. it does like the most real thing ever and the most fake thing ever it makes no sense no I don't think it's ever supposed to so you weren't at home when you got the news no and what do you do did you go to the hospital to see him did you go home do you even remember what you did yeah, I right after I just started making phone calls. I don't know what was happening. I just had to tell everybody, maybe to convince myself this was real, but I told everybody who was important to us. And then he, he did not make it to the hospital, so they brought his body right to the morgue that was near there. And then another odd idea came in my mind that day, and I, you know, we were trying to have kids. And so I said, I think I need to save his sperm in in case you know I want that to happen down the line and so I call my best friend again the nurse her name's Michelle I keep talking about her but I didn't say her name um I call Michelle and I said is this crazy and then I tell her you know should we save his sperm and she says no hangs up calls my other best friend and we just start calling everything everybody we can the next three days which is like the window we have for the sperm to be viable and I called it the great sperm hunt. <laughs> I really want to name the episode this, but I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I named it in my little like widow 
journal. But yeah, the next three days, that was our focus of just like, how can we make this happen? Because there were so many legalities to it. It was crazy. We have questions because Anita and I have talked about this before. And can, okay. Mm. How, how does this work? Can you tell us how the retrieval works? Well, first, can I ask, like, I think that's so, had you considered this ever before? Because when Jason died, that was not even close to on my radar. I mean, we have kids, so I guess I was in a different space, but I wouldn't even have thought of that as an option. Like, how did you even know that was something you people do? I don't. I just, that's why I'm like, that's, that's why I called my best friend. I said, is this crazy? And then she sent me articles of like people doing this and what we needed to do in the state of California and all these things. And we started just this phone trail of like, I talked to this lawyer and I talked to this lawyer. But to answer your question, Mel, I think what happens is you have to get like, you have first you need like the legal paperwork. So there needs to be some sort of legal document that says that that was your plan with this dead person which I didn't have, but we'll get back to that. Um, and so uh, <laughs> so uh, after you have all those legal documents um, and that you have proof that this was your plan with your spouse, which is crazy, but um, the doctor goes in and takes the sperm out and then you can freeze it. With a syringe? I don't know exactly the tools, but... Because you know what we're thinking. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah, I think there's like, you know, you have to, yeah. And then like, if you want the body to be, depending how you want, if you're going to cremate or not, then, you know, they try to keep the body preserved for that. But yeah, you only had a short window. So what you're telling me, and this is blowing my mind a little bit, is that when your person dies, their sperm is alive for three more days? I believe so. so. Technically, they're like not all the way dead until three days after. Like, there's still part of them that's living-ish. I think so. Don't don't quote me. This was also. I I feel like there's going to be listeners who are going to say that is not true. But you know what? I was a widow at the time, and there was a lot happening, and that was what I was told. Even the people at the morgue were rooting for us. They were like, "Did you get?" They said, "You only have this many hours. Did you get anything yet?" And, and so. That's what I was told. Had they done that before? I'm it, I'm not sure, but it seemed like they were like, okay, let's, we'll help you. What do we do, you know? That is wild. It's amazing. I would never have, in my wildest imagination, thought that that was a thing until I became a widow and met people that have done it. So, okay. So they um, extract and then what happens? They extract, but I did not get to do that because I didn't have any papers or anything to say that that was what Jason wanted. Okay, so wait. So you wanted to do this, but you weren't able to? Yes. Ah. Oh. Why do you have to have a paper like that? Like if you're, you have so many things tied to you as a spouse, like... Like, both good things and bad things legally, right? Yeah. Like, bad, you inherited all of their debt and all their crap and all, all of that stuff. You're responsible for them. But then they die, and you can't have access to that. 
to their sperm unless you have a legal paper yeah unless it's you know in a plan or something but no it didn't it didn't happen we talked to lawyers trying to figure out even a lawyer was saying like even if you have it on a post-it or something oh my gosh I would have like faked one like here's a here's a (laughs) post-it I guess but it just didn't work out oh man is that how does that feel to you is it like heartbreaking or was it like, eh? Um, at the time, I will say it was a nice like distraction. It was nice to focus on that other than like, oh, yeah, he died, you know. But um, I think talking to his sister, my sister-in-law, she, she said, you know, it would have been great if there was, you know, part of him that still lived on. But she, she said, like, I don't, I don't think he wanted you to do that alone. Yeah. It's so wild because it's not like we have conversations like that with our spouse. Hey, honey, if you happen to die, can I have your sperm? Yeah. And and can I get a paper? Can we notarize that? Yeah. Sign this form saying so. I mean, we don't even talk about what we want for our funerals, let alone that kind, that. Of, that yeah. kind of things. But we know people who have done it. So it does happen. Yeah. It's just, Wow. Well, I also hear your story, Camille, and I think it's really interesting because it's like a microcosm of, of fight or flight or freeze. You know, some people after they get that news. <laughs> like, no pun intended. Not, not, not freeze the sperm. But after people get that news, like some people just can't do anything. And some people go into like, you know, like go get mode. it done mode. Like I'm going to call people. I'm going to do things. Check, 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 you know. And it, I think it's just interesting how people react to trauma in different ways. For sure. Do you have to do an extraction before embalming or does it matter? You would have to do it before embalming. Because embalming goes into your whole entire body everywhere, correct? Yeah. Like- I think I think so. I would think so because they kept calling me and asking me like, are we are we doing this? <laughs> like, not we don't know yet. <laughs> like a dumb question. It's just there's so many you don't think about these things, and so it's like, how does how does the order of stuff go? Do you, are you required to embalm in California, or are there? Did you cremate him? I did you I have, did not like, cremate him. I feel like he, I, and that was hard too because I didn't know what he wanted for you know his memorial. Um, so I just kind of guessed and went with what I thought he might, well, not really. I guess I just went with what I was used to and I did, I wanted to cremate him and I also didn't because I wanted his family to see him before that happened. So I had his body moved to San Diego just so his family can see and then decided to not cremate, just did a burial. So is he buried in San Diego? Yes. How old was Jason when he died? Shoot. Uh, I believe he was 35. That's too young. It is. I think it was 35 because I remember when I turned 35, that that stung. Yeah, I'm about to turn the same age that my husband was, that my husband was when he died. Yeah. And it's like this weird feeling of like, how can I be older than you now? And just to feel ripped off about their life, you know, like if you think about your life ending right now, like I would be mad. So Jason had a dog that he loved and um, the dog's name is Grimlock. He's a pit bull and he died a few years before Jason. And 
they had his ashes. So I actually buried Grimlock with Jason. Mel did that with her dad, too. She put one of their doggies in with their dad. One of my dogs, I had a pug, and we had her ashes. And so we put the dog we put the dog in with my dad. We meant to put another dog in with my dad instead of my pug, but it got the the wires got crossed, and my uncle grabbed the wrong dog's ashes. And so my dad is buried with the pug's ashes. I bet, I bet he's laughing at that. I know. Well, it was funny because somebody was like, the funeral directors say it's not allowed to do that. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I think they just like felt weird about it, like the, my uncle or something. But So it was like this big smuggling of the dog's ashes into the building and us like sneaking it in. Anyway, <laughs> a tangent. But I love that he was buried with his dog. Yeah, and I put dog dad on his uh, headstone, which, by the way, I totally forgot that you have to plan a headstone. Okay, and Anita has a story about that, and maybe we can help her out. I still don't have one. I hate them all, you guys. I went to the headstone place, and I was said to the man there, which was probably very offensive, I was like, these are all so ugly. <laughs> and he was like, oh, thanks. I was like, can I have something that doesn't look like any of these? Because these are all for, like, old ladies. And still working on it, guys. Blech. Camille, how did you choose what to put on there? Tell us what went through your head. Um, I just thought of a lot of like things that he liked. And I came to a quote from the movie Cool Runnings that I put on his, his tombstone or his headstone. I think the hard part was fonts because uh, he was partially a designer and I was thinking, like, oh, he's going to be pissed if I choose the wrong font. <laughs> Comic Sans all the way. Oh, barf. You'd be like, that's what you get for dying, Jason. Comic Sans. Yeah, but I went with um, from Cool Runnings where they say, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. I put that on his headstone. That's the only quote I could remember. I was like, I wonder if it was that one. So, oh. Okay, so Camille, you're a widow. You're too young. You're living this new life. Like, what happens after you start living this life of being a widow? Well, it gets suckier for me because... Ugh, no. Uh, yeah. Interview I... over. I can't have any suckier stuff. Well, that was my year that year. I was... Well, first, you know, I came back home and I tried to figure out where am I going to live. I can't live in the Bay Area by myself. So I was trying to figure that out. And then... Um, I took some time off of work to just sort my life out. And then I got news that my mom's cancer was not looking good. So I took family leave and headed back to San Diego to care for my mom as she died. And she died four months after my husband. That's not fair. That's too much for yeah. such a short amount of time. Somebody said to me the other day, they were like, most people expect to lose their spouse and their parents in a certain order. And also within a span of like 30 years, we've just had it scrunched together. And four months is like no time at all. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I had unexpected death and then I had one that I was watching and it was terrible. I hated that year. I don't even know how I got through that part. So do people ask you which is, quote, better and which is worse? 
between seven? No, they don't. No? Because they're not that dumb. Well, guess what? <laughs> we are going to ask you because we always ask people when there's like no answer. There's really no right answer. With the suffering that your mom went through, would you have wished that at some time it was sudden? Or when your husband... Instead of dying suddenly and tragically, would you have wished that you had had an illness or not wish? Not the, this is the dumbest way to say this question, but having the time and knowing that he was going to be gone, would you have wished for something where you could have said goodbye? I think that I mean I we all I imagine we all want that time to say goodbye and to to know which we do because we're all going to die right. Um, but I think it's, I don't know what's easier. I think it, for each person, like my husband, that was him and that was my mom. Um, and that's how my husband's spirit, like that's how he is. He just wanted to live now. He never wanted to wait for something to happen. Like he, he would travel and he would say, I don't want to wait till retirement to travel he's like look at all these old people they're not enjoying it they're they can barely walk down this cobbled street you know and so he was very much like let's just do it now and let's enjoy this moment so I think it I, I don't know it just seems very much him to have a sudden death whereas my mom like she liked to prepare things and her funeral was all prepared and and she knew it was happening so that worked to both suck though and to have them happen around the same time sucks extra I think that's a good way to put it and we see that a lot too where it's like some people wouldn't have wanted to suffer and it goes with their personality kind of the way that they left the realm of physical existence so yeah that's a really interesting and I think poignant way to put that so thank you for answering my our stupid question (laughs) very eloquently so Jason is gone. Your mom is gone. Now you're in like extra grief. What next? I will say, I did forget to mention this. Um, after the funeral, after my husband's funeral, um, I just wanted to be alone because everybody was just worried and in my face and didn't want me to be alone. So after the uh, funeral, I checked myself into a hotel for a few days just to like be by myself I wanted to see what that was gonna feel like because I was always with him you know so I just stayed cooped up in this hotel and just cried and talked to you know people that could possibly understand this a little bit Um, and that was a big thing I think um, that helped me I searched for people who could relate to this and who were my age and I think that was a game changer. I found Camp Widow that way. I found Kat, who was on the show. Um, and now these people are my lifelong sisters who get it. And we talk about, you know, all the crap that happens with this. But I think it was important for me to have some alone time and just kind of process it on my own and not have, you know, people keep talking. That highlights so much how everybody grieves differently. You know, some people want to be surrounded and they want the distraction and the noise and some people don't. I have a question, though. Are you like your mom? Are you a planner? Um, I think a little bit, but not as intense as her. Okay, because it seems like you like had a lot of like 
insight and forethought, you were like, I want to know what it's going to be like to be alone. So let's do that now. Instead of just being like, you know, I'll see what happens as it happens. <laughs> I think I think my idea with being alone is, um, I and I say this a lot in grief support groups, is that uh, because I work with young children, so a lot of parents ask about tantrums and feelings and, you know, outbursts. And what I tell parents is that with little toddlers, when they have tantrums, they have to go through the full emotion to understand it. So you interrupting it as a parent or you trying to say stop doesn't help because they're not going through it. And so I put that same idea to my grief. I, I needed to feel those feelings and go through it to figure it out. And if I just didn't deal with it right away, I don't think I would be in the position that I personally am right now. I think Camille is a wise sage. <laughs> I would not have thought that when well, I mean I didn't know that with going through my own grief. So so as you were working with children, how was that for you knowing that you tried to extract from your husband, you weren't able to do it. He's gone, your mom's gone. Was it extra hard to work with kids? Um no, they actually brought me a lot of joy. Well, I took some time off and then when I returned it was nice to be back um, in the classroom with them and what was really um, kind is that this community that I work with their parents they all were very supportive and they knew you know what had happened and they just asked me what I needed and they asked you know I was trying to figure out where to live and they were all helping me you know move and find places to live and it was just like the greatest help that could have happened after such a you know terrible thing yeah I think sometimes we can learn from kids also they don't have the same hang-ups about grief and death and so they ask you things that sometimes you're like wow but then you kind of think we should all just be like that we should just ask the questions that need to be asked and have no shame and no you know no like no feelings that are you know colored by our society's view of grief or whatever they just say whatever comes into their mind and you can just appreciate that for the most part sometimes it's annoying and you want to punch them in the face but you don't so after you are widowed and you're alone and you're quote unquote single did you start to feel like you wanted to date or you wanted to have any sort of companionship after this Yes, it was always a thought because I had such a wonderful relationship and also awkward because my husband was awkward, but um, we had a great relationship and I just enjoyed it. And I knew I wanted, you know, to have a partner again and to have those kind of feelings and, and I just didn't know when. Um, so I want to say close to uh, a year after he died. So maybe like 10, eight, 10 months um, I mean, I thought about it, but I had a fr my best friend, Des, she said, I have somebody I want you to meet. And that started, you know, the thought of like, okay, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to start dating? And, um, so I just started talking about it with friends and like seeing what it's like to date. And everybody started talking about dating apps and I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> Because, you know, I met Jason at a holiday party. I don't know about a dating app. I haven't dated in 10 years. 
And so I just talked to other people who were, you know, actively dating. And I had a friend who, um, he taught me a lot about dating, but he said, Hey, let me take you on a practice date. And I said, sure, let's do it. And, and it was, it was a good ease in because we just met for dinner and I asked him all my questions about like, okay, who pays for dinner? Or like, what do, what do we do? Or what do you say on the app? And so that was uh, actually a really, really good transition for me. I feel like that's a business opportunity right there. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> we got to find somebody who's not me because I don't know anything. But that's like a good idea. Like the practice date, like I will take you on a date and I will help you to not be stupid <laughs> or very unpractised in the dating realm. <laughs> I have a question. What are some of the tips that you learned from him? Um, I think he was just saying like, you know, don't waste your time. If somebody's not giving you the attention you deserve or not treating you right, just move on. Like it's not worth it. Um, what about the paying? He gave very good advice. He says that he always comes prepared to pay the whole thing. But there are some people, women, who don't like when they pay the whole thing. So sometimes they offer to pay half or they want to pay the whole thing. So it depends on the person. But I, so I guess it just is up to you. But it's mixed. Depends on, on the other party, I guess. <laughs> and what about the app conversation? Like, what tips did he give you for that? How to use the app or conversation? I think he, I think he looked through my profile and was like, oh, that's a terrible picture. Put a different picture. Or like, uh um, well, because I had, I think that picture I had like a big scarf on. He was like, it's like blocking your neck and your face. It's, you know, it's not a good angle. Like those kind of things. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but I think it was just like, be yourself and um, do whatever you're comfortable with. Like, it's it's about you. You're not trying to please somebody else. This is for you. Did you ever get on the dating apps? Like, did you start dating through apps ever? Yes, I did. Did you have prepared in your mind what you wanted to do as far as the dead husband thing and bringing it into the dating conversation? Yeah. I, I, I so yes. And this is talked about with other widow friends too. Um, I didn't put it on my profile. I like to wait to talk about it in person. Um, typically, I think one person I did say before the date, cause they brought up a different issue of, you know, their own personal issue. And we said, are you game? I'm, I'm game, you know, <laughs> like, okay, let's go on a date. But, um, yeah, you have to think about what you're comfortable with and what, and when you want to, and I call it the widow bomb when you want to drop the widow bomb. But I typically did it early so that I could see, you know, if how they react, if it was good or not then I would keep, you know, making time to hang out with them or not. Did you ever have anybody who had like a really bad reaction to the widow bomb or was really awkward about it? Yes. I had one really, really terrible, uh, I guess I'll call him an a-hole. <laughs> um, um, tell us, tell us. Reaction. <laughs> like it gets, it gets weird in this social media thing of, when you meet on a dating app and then they ask for, you know, your, your different Instagram accounts or whatever social media account you have. And so I typically don't, I didn't give it out because 
my dead husband's on there. Um, but I gave it out to this a-hole and um, they they seemed fine at first. And then all of a sudden there was a, a few messages of like, you need to get over your dead husband and you have problems and all these things and I was just like you know I'm so sad for you because I don't think you know what a good relationship is and so I'm so glad I didn't hang out with you and so that was the exchange I we were planning to meet but it didn't work out because he just had his own issues and I think that's another thing with dating is that when people act that way it has nothing to do with you it is all about them and so I just was like you know you're not worth any of my time so I blocked them Good job. I mean, I really, really wanted, I really wanted to say more mean things, but then I was like, no, we're not going to do that. We just think we can't wait till you become a widow. Join the club. You understand how, what you say was so hurtful and how grateful you should be that you don't understand that pain. So tell us about successes. There are some successes, like for the first time ever, I hit on somebody in person and I felt so empowered afterwards, but I was so sweaty and nervous. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there were some good like meetups and I kissed a few frogs. uh, (laughs) And that's just, you know, such a different, a different feeling after, you know, being married and then you're going through this this weird dating as a widow phase. But um, I will say I found a very good success um, from a dating app. And the funny part is he has the same name as my husband. That's convenient Um, or confusing. I don't know which. Both. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I almost didn't go on a date with him because of the name. That was the very first person I was like, I'm interested, but your name messes it up. (laughs) Um, But a friend looked at the profile and said, no, I really think you should. So I went with it and we're still together right now. And we actually had a baby. That was the baby bomb. She just dropped the baby bomb. Yeah, we had a a quarantine baby. (laughs) Okay. So tell us what the experience of parenthood with not your dead husband has been like it is very different because there's you know I think with kids you're just always worried and trying to adapt to it but now on top of this you have a whole pandemic and it's happening everywhere so it's just stressful I think but it's also nice because then you don't have to attend all these functions (laughs) with a baby okay so I'm curious how your experience with Jason 1.0 colored your experience with Jason 2.0 did you feel like there was more of a rush or not a rush but like you wanted to have a baby because you knew that things happen and you don't get that chance because you already experienced it uh no that just kind of happened like we that was an oops baby (laughs) not an oops baby but yeah we did not expect that but now that she's here, we're so, we were, we, we see what we were missing out on. Did you have Jason 2.0 sign any papers about ownership of his sperm? <laughs> I should. 
but we're, we're good we have one okay. now <laughs> <laughs> to whom it may concern <laughs> if you die may i have your sperm signed here <laughs> i think you should fold it up like a note in junior high too like with the checkbox like yes or no and then fold it up like a crane will do I'm definitely doing that, and then I'm going to take a picture and show you guys. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. How has it been for the second Jason to deal with you as a widow? How have you incorporated your first marriage into your second long-term relationship? Uh, I should say that since my husband died, I get a lot of signs of, like, Sometimes I'll say, you know, I need validation or I need help or I just, can you send me a sign because I don't know which way to go. And I get a lot of different signs, I think, from my husband. And I want to say that my husband's humor is like, I figure he's like, I'm going to send you a great guy, but he's going to have the same name or something, you know? And um, what's, I think what's nice about current Jason I I still am unsure about how to do that I'm like dead Jason alive Jason I don't you know (laughs) um but I think what what works is that he's just very empathetic and just understanding and patient to navigating this new world of widowhood like when I told him that I was widow he was very accepting of it and then I'm and then later I mentioned that they had the same name so it was I think that was a little bit hard to swallow but he came around and he's actually met um my dead husband's family and he came with me to the grave to visit and so I think he's just he's he's securing himself to incorporate my husband into you know the life that we have like there was one night we were eating dinner or something and he said oh this is our favorite meal or favorite dish and I was like that's not my favorite and he said not you uh the Jasons I was like oh sorry (laughs) that's funny yeah um a lot of people I think outside the grief community feel like a new relationship equals the end of grief like that's the if you get into a new relationship then bing you're done grieving your other person true or false so much false because you i mean just because you have a new i think i'm sure it's been in the book but you know when you have more than one child you don't stop loving the other child it's the same thing with a relationship i still love my husband and I love this new person who has the same name. How long have you guys been together? We've been together. We're going to be on three years this year. Wow. I was going to say at least nine months, but. Yes, you're correct. (laughs) Well, how old is your baby now? She's going to be one next month. It's a cute age. Well, I almost think that your second Jason is lucky because we had a guest once talk about she's remarried, how every once in a while she would slip up and call her second husband her first husband's name. There's none of that. Like you could be talking about him and he would never know. So I think it's what I think it's wisdom again. It's sage Camille wisdom. 
Okay, you could even re-gift things. Like, say you had something embroidered <laughs> for Jason number one, <laughs> and you never got it, gave it to him. You could now give it to Jason 2.0. <laughs> I could. I don't have anything, but I could. If only you had that foresight. We did We did joke when, because we didn't know the gender of the baby. So we he joked like, yeah, well, if it's a boy, we just name him Jason. And I'm like, no. There's, I've, I've had, <laughs> Everyone's Jason. I'm like, we have, I have too many Jasons in my life. Is his last name start with the same last name? No. Okay. Because that would have been perfect for the monogram towels. but Yes. Almost. Do people actually get monogrammed towels? Is that like a thing that they used to do? In the 70s and the 80s. Do people still do that? Okay, for my wedding, people gave it to me and Scott. Kind of older people. I think it's an older people thing and a rich person thing. I I want to agree. Because now they do mugs. Yeah. <laughs> I went to JCPenney today, you guys. And I was like, this store still exists? That's where you get your monogram towels. It's from there. <laughs> Are they on sale? <laughs> And Land's End catalog, everyone. Oh, man, Camille, it's been so great to talk to you. What is something that you would tell a, a newly, freshly birthed widow in the fresh throes of grief from all of your experiences that you've had? If you could look back on that time and give advice to somebody that was maybe in your same shoes, what would that be? I guess just be you, do you. Like, do what makes you feel good, as long as it's not hurting yourself or anybody. But, you know, do what makes you feel good, because you've just had this really crappy thing happen to you, and find what brings you joy. I remember um, when I was right after, and I, would, I call them death tasks, when I had to do all the different things after my husband died, I had a list every day, and um, my sister-in-law said, add one thing on your list that brings you joy. And so I continue that. So I would say that to another newly grieving person. What about, what advice would you give to somebody who is just starting out the dating process? A widow who's dating? I would also say, do you. <laughs> I mean, just just remember this is for you and if the date doesn't work, then you're going to have a good story, right? If <laughs> that's not how, how I how would go into dates, but yeah, just be you and do you. Like if it doesn't work out or if you're not feeling it, then don't go. You don't owe anybody anything. You don't have to go on a date if you don't want to go on a date. Just you've got, you've gone through enough. So do whatever makes you happy. And if you want to date, you date. And if the guy's not treating you right or the girl's not treating you right and it's not for you then just leave you don't have to explain yourself just you know do what makes you happy life's too short as you can as we all know right I love that I have another one what advice would you offer somebody who has I was going to say two Jasons but that's like only you probably that has has found a relationship a current one, and they are still, of course, grieving their dead person. What are some of the things that you would offer to them as suggestions for if they maybe feel guilty for being with somebody else or if if they're worried about having room for somebody else in their heart? I feel like guilt feelings 
are very natural. But again, if it makes you happy, do it. And I would think that with the right people, so like your your dead husband or your dead spouse and your new relationship partner, they would want you to be happy. So just if you can, if they're the right people, then you can blend, I guess, those two lives together. You know, we talk about chapter one and chapter two, kind of like they're distinctive things, but it is true that we need to make them actually interact. I mean, you can't really interact with a dead person, but your chapter one and your chapter two lives are in a continuum. And so they all need to be able to interact with one another. So I think that's also, that's also very wise advice. So also you mentioned don't wear a scarf in your profile pic and I feel like you have to be holding a trout. Isn't that what you're supposed to do in your profile pic? Like a <laughs> if you like fishing, if you want a fisherman. <laughs> Camille, thank you so much for joining us. We have a very important question that we need to ask you before we let you go. Mel, do you want to do it? What is your favorite cheese? Do you like cheese? Yes, I just bought okay, like three bags today. Three bags full. <gasps> That's like blah blah black cheese, blah blah black cheese, blah, blah, black cheese. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Have you any mold? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Blue cheese, gold. Gold. <laughs> gold. <laughs> we could go on tour. Oh yeah, want to be in our cheese band? No, I just want to eat it. What did you buy today? I bought lots of shredded cheese for because the baby likes quesadillas. So, you know, we got to stock up on that cheese. Okay, but what's your favorite? My favorite, I think, is Monterey Jack. Yeah. I feel like that's a good California answer also. So, good, good <laughs> job. Thank you so much, Camille. It was really, really fun to talk to you. I felt like you kept dropping bombs on us left, right, and center. Yeah, well, that's my life. Yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen next. So the the widow bomber. <laughs> Thanks for taking <laughs> us on this journey. Thank you guys. If you guys want to keep the podcast going, will you check out our Patreon? It's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you'd like to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And if you don't want to do any of those things, will you just give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you have loved Camille's story, even though it's a sad story. But hopefully you found some interesting nuggets of wisdom. Until we talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And I'm Camille. We are two young widows and a widow bomber. And we are all just trying to figure out widow. We do. Now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what one, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service.
Yep, Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.